Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. And I'm going to be reading 1 Timothy 3, which is the reading for today. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, Deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest game. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church to the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on on in the word, was taken up in glory. Right. Hopefully, um, as you are hearing that, and as you are, maybe you've been reading it, I know a number of you have been reading through 1 Timothy um, each week, I hope, I would encourage you to do that. Um, but hopefully, as you've just been hearing this, I hope we've just been able to just absorb the Word of God, that we're just hearing it at face value. What an incredible gift. It's amazing that God just bestowed on us His Word and His uh, we get to learn from brothers and sisters, and we get to learn from the early church. And um, oftentimes, I think it's really easy to forget what an amazing gift we have here in God's Word. And we're going to be looking into 1 Timothy chapter 3 a little bit more deeply. Um, but I would like us to just take a second and pray just silently where you are and uh, praying for... Uh, we want to um, truly um, hear from the Holy Spirit. Uh, that not just a little bit, uh, the Holy Spirit of God, uh, the radical 
like transformation that he is performing and wants to continue to perform in us individually, but as a community as well. So let's take a second to pray, and then we will uh, continue after that. grateful that you have um, been gracious enough to to give us your word father that um, that we can read uh, freely uh, we can learn but father we don't just want to have more insight we don't want to just learn more we desire to be transformed we desire to have hearts like Zacchaeus father that just wants to see you and to be with you and to be close to you and to bring others with us father and we pray in your name amen so before I put on this microphone, you're going to think I'm being eaten by a caterpillar, okay? And and we're trying to get the sound right with our Facebook and all that kind of stuff, and I don't know what the next step is above this, like a boa of some sort or something. So, so if you're watching on Facebook, this is this is this is just come on, little guy. Come on, little fella. There you go. It's like I have a poodle on my chest. And you all know what y'all are going to see all day is this right here, huh? <laughs> right. I, we'll, we'll name it. I'm sure we'll name it, okay? Um, golly, man. I feel like the time when my mom made me wear this canvas leisure suit to my, my five-year-old birthday party. Like, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Like, you haven't lived until you've worn a canvas, Levi-style leisure suit, okay? So anyway, goodness gracious. Golly. Okay, where are we at here? So here's the deal, right? We've been going through First Timothy. Um, hopefully you can tell the story that Paul has been writing to us. Hopefully we can retell that story to other people. If somebody were, if we happen to not have our Bibles on us at some point, that we can still share with one another. Um, you know, this idea of these lessons, not necessarily word for word, but kind of this big picture, okay, of Paul, like he's talking to Timothy, who's leading. It seems like Timothy's there to lead the Ephesian church for maybe a short period of time. Um, who knows how long it was, okay, but he's telling him, he's like, man, there's some false teachings that are coming in. Um, that needs to be taken care of. The false teachers need to be spoken to and dealt with. And, um, and, and then additionally, he starts talking about last week, what we got into was different roles of men and women. Uh, okay, and sometimes that can be really tough to our ears. All right, but here's one of the things that occurred to me after the sermon last Sunday. I think sometimes we can hear it in one of two ways. All right, so if you're a traditionally religious person, it could come across, you could read about how women should be modest and silent and all those things and men shouldn't be apathetic and indecisive and all of these things. And, and sometimes we can be so used to being churchy that we can sit here and go, man, God, thank God I'm not like those people. Man, thank God I'm not like the immodest women. 
and the women who talk, and thank God I'm not like the apathetic man, you know. It's so easy to do that, and you want to know what? I think more than anything, if, if there's hearts that need to be cut, it needs to be cut on that part of things more than anything, I feel like. If not, we just become kind of this, this club of the self-righteous that we're so pleased with our cleanliness, and just, man, those poor sinners that just don't know what we know. And I don't really like them very much, right? Man, that's a dangerous place to be, and I hope we don't. I hope if we are there, that's turned, okay? I hope that we can help one another do that. Um, but again, just as we're listening to this, and he's talking about these different roles of men and women, and then he gets into this idea of overseers and deacons and all of these different things that we're not totally um, all the time aware of. They sound kind of like strange words. But, and I just, let me go back, because this was an important thing to me, personally, okay, was reading, what I'm hearing more than when I'm, when I'm reading 1 Timothy 1 and 2 and 3, is I'm hearing this idea of this posture we need to have of blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? Like, I'm not fighting against what Paul is saying, no matter what it is. I'm sitting here going, hold on a minute. My brother Paul, who is an apostle, he is bringing this, this, this word that is absolutely authoritative to me. And I'm sitting here going, okay, listen, let me just kind of take that in. All right. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember Matthew chapter five, he talks about that. And I think it's so important because it'll help us not jump into, man, I can't believe he's saying this about me. I can't believe he's saying this about men or about women or about the church or something, but just going, Hey, let me just hear this and let me be poor in spirit. Okay. Let me be truly like spiritually in just in poverty just i need to be fed this word and it's a good thing okay and so hopefully that's one of the things that's helpful to you it's been super helpful to me um and here's the interesting thing again and i've put this quote up a number of times i think it's really great it's not enough to simply know what the bible says we must wrestle to find why is it good and beautiful why is it a good thing? Even when we read things that are challenging, even when we read things that might be traditionally not what we're used to hearing, instead of just looking at the words and, and, and comprehending the words, but having this idea of, hold on a minute, if it's in here, it is good and beautiful. Okay, in some way, shape, or form, okay? It's putting us and driving us to a direction that is good, okay? So anyway... First uh, Timothy chapter three. This saying is trustworthy. If you notice this, and you'll see it as we go through Second Timothy and Titus, there's about six times that Paul says, "Hey, this this is a trustworthy saying. This is something to be listened to. This is an important aspect of what he's writing." He says, "This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife." self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, and able teacher, not addicted to wine, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy, one who manages his own household competently, having his children under control without dignity. If anyone doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He mustn't be a new convert.
unless he becomes conceited and falls into condemnation with the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And they must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, too, must be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons must be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their household competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and a great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. All right, so there's a list of a lot of qualities and a lot of characteristics, and this ultimately puts us in a place to get a hold on, how do I read my Bible? Because we have a list here of characteristics, and one of the things that's the easiest thing to do is to say, okay, an overseer, there's these boxes that must be checked, and a deacon, there's these boxes that must be checked, and then you have the wives, and you check all these boxes, and then there you go. You have overseers and deacons, and you have overseers, wives, and deacons' wives. But that's really not at all what Paul is trying to accomplish here with this, okay? So first and foremost, here's the crazy thing about what we have going on right here at the Clemson Foothills Church and every local church in the world, okay? God's plan for the world is his local church, is communities in a local area coming together to spread the gospel. That is God's plan, okay? And and sometimes we forget about that. We think it's a place, right? Instead of going, hold on a minute. What he's calling us to is his plan of salvation for the world. So when he goes into this and he says, here's a trustworthy saying, and he says, Timothy, if there's anyone that aspires this, this is a good thing. Now, now here's what's important. You may look at this and go, well, I don't aspire to be an overseer, so it doesn't matter. All right? And we, it's, it's not, we're not getting off the hook that easy. Okay? Uh, we're, we're not going to. Um, secondly, there's an implication here. And again, the implication is the overseers and the deacons will be men. All right? Because they, he says this. Pretty clearly, he's like, hey, men, this is how you'll be, and your wives will be this way, okay? And so as he goes into this a little bit here, um, he starts talking about these things. Now, here's an interesting thing. This is a little bit, just a little bit of teaching that is important because, again, I would imagine a lot of us in here, you go out and you want to read different commentaries and what are different people saying about different things. And this idea of an overseer, there's a few words that are used in the New Testament, that mean that seem to be used interchangeably by Paul. And they're overseer, shepherd, pastor. Okay, those three kind of get used elder. They get used kind of interchangeably. And different people view that differently. Some people view it as almost three or four different like job descriptions, except when we see Paul writing, oftentimes he includes different words in the same sentence to mean the same thing. And so you have a shepherd, for instance. He's saying the shepherd is one who takes care of God's church. The shepherds take care of God's church, okay? And then you have deacons, and all that means is just this, you know, we took the word, this Greek word, and we just turned it into what it looked like it said in English, and we call them deacons when really it's a servant 
a ministry servant of some sort, okay? And so that's just important. And he's saying this is the local church. Man, this is really an important aspect of what we do and where we're going as a church, okay? So here are those qualifications. The ones that are in, uh, like, pink there, um, those are the crossovers with the deacons, all right? And so you look at that. Um, all of those are for overseers or elders or shepherds or whatever. Um, and what I want you to do is I want you to not just look at the words and what they should be, but I want you to picture the person who embodies these qualities. Okay, I want you to picture, uh, picture somebody who embodies this here. Somebody who's above reproach, who's married to one wife, who's temperate and self-controlled, and he's respectable and hospitable and able to teach, right? It doesn't mean he can just, like, make a class up, but is able to teach God's Word. That he isn't drunk, but he's gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. I think these are the things that go, well, I'm not a lover of money. But those are very fine lines for us to challenge ourselves on because oftentimes we can say, well, I don't love money, but money dictates everything we do. Okay, then that means we love money. All right, but not a lover of money, manages the family well, not a recent convert, good reputation with outsiders, tested. I want you to just picture that person. I want you to think about the qualities, the painting that Paul just put down there of the person that he says, this is what an overseer, a shepherd, an elder, this is what he should look like. And oftentimes, again, we've kind of, in, I've been in different places where almost none of that matters. It's kind of like, well, my kids are disciples, so I should be an elder. Okay, except it's debatable if he's saying here that your all your children must be current disciples. Okay, but he's saying you you must manage your family well. All right, but just thinking about this and going, man, this guy right here, what a great guy to have around the church. Would anybody argue with that? <laughs> Would anybody go, man, that guy? I can't stand him because he's above reproach. <laughs> Now, above reproach means that, hey, you want to know what? People will try to take shots. And you want to know what? They never, like, it's just like, no, of course not. They're, it's slanderous. It's gossip. It's something like that. But, but above reproach just means that, man, there's no, you know, it doesn't matter what the accusation is. As you dig in and, and, and investigate, it turns out to be false. Okay, they're above reproach. You know, we wouldn't in any way go, man, I wish that he was more violent and not gentle. More like a bully, okay? We wouldn't do it. But here's the interesting thing he's saying, man, if you aspire to this, if you're a man and you aspire to this, he says it's a noble call. Right? And what that word means is, is, is noble and praiseworthy, but inspirationally noble and praiseworthy. That it's helping inspire others to this as well. And so it's just important now, when you look at the deacons here, do the deacons not have to be They don't have to be gentle? No, no, no. I, it, 
obviously he's not saying that you don't have to do all these things, but he is saying that as an elder, there is, there is a kind of a higher standard that you have to go through with this. So again, I, I just wanted to put those up there because I feel like we need to take a look at those. Not so much as, you know, if you're sitting there right now going, okay, I'm above approach. Uh, one wife, uh, temperate. So, oh man, I'm not hospitable. No, no, no. Like, this is not, we're talking about this entirety. This is somebody who's been with Jesus. Okay, a lot of times, uh, even in our transformation to spiritual maturity, we can try so hard to be transformed that we forget. Oftentimes, just being near Jesus, the qualities of being near Jesus are these. Okay, a lot of times we're not displaying qualities of Jesus and we're not being transformed because we're not super near him all the time. Okay. So wives need to be women worthy of respect and not malicious talkers and temperate and trustworthy. Okay, again, we, we've got to ask ourselves a question, but why, why is this good? Why is this good in the church? The church is supposed to be a family. Why is this good? Why do we need this model? Why do we need to have or be moving towards a model of overseers and deacons and all of these things? Why is that such an important thing in God's household? Okay, we've got to be just thinking through this and we have to remember that these qualities are relational, not just functional. All right, so, so again, we have to have a paradigm shift of what we think of when we think of elders or shepherds or deacons or something. We're not talking about a bunch of guys in a room like all trying to figure out everything and it, they're all old guys and they're all like, you know, all these things. But it's very, very important that this is, that this is important for us as a community to have men and women in these functions, but they're important relationally. If you go back and look at that, you look at all of those, they are all qualities of healthy relationships. They're, all, they're people who understand how to love well. They're people who understand how to, they, they love Jesus well and they love people well. So here's the thing though, this, this is the challenge for me and you. Right here in Clemson, South Carolina, right? Super clean, right? Super, you know, whatever, safe, you know, whatever. But here's what needs to happen with church. Our thinking has to become broader than our own personal experiences. Okay, Here's what I mean by that. One of my greatest fears in the entire world is that we would have a church that would be a club of people who are just like, we're so clean and so good, and we just can't understand why the world just can't get it on straight like us and all of these different things and just pompous. Listen, I'm telling you, I've been around that. You know, and just pompous, arrogant, just, oh, goodness, I can't tell you how much this bothers me because here's the thing. It's so easy to forget as a church, especially in, in a, we live in a fairly affluent, fairly highly educated part of the world, fairly safe and all these things. And what we end up forgetting is, is that the church is calling broken people to be healed. One of the things that ends up happening when we get too insulated or we get too, like, about, like, well, why do we need people who are, like, relational? Why do we need overseers and elders and, de like, we're just fine on our own because we just get narrowed down. Look, my experience is everyone's experience. 
And I can't, my, my upbringing was fine, so everybody should be fine. All right? And the truth of the matter is, is we tend to forget, and then the, the, the problem is we try to convince everyone that they're good enough and they're okay enough. Except we forget that Jesus said, no, I came, man, to set captives free. Like, like Steve said, if, if, it's hard to be set free if you don't know you're a captive. It's hard to see and be healed from that if you don't know you're blind. It's hard for those things. And again, it's very easy and almost it can happen without thinking. Is we can just become a good group of people that we really don't understand the brokenness of the world because we've all tried to convince each other we're not broken. Okay? And so it's this idea of broadening. What do I mean by that? I mean like this is where's the runaway amongst us? The prostitute, the abused, the addicted, people from broken families, people captive to sin. Right? This is why. This is why you need you need wise people who can who can take a family, okay? Because here's the interesting thing is, is that this isn't just an individualistic free-for-all. It's this idea of going, hold on a minute, there is a wisdom and an experience that God is saying is required uh, in his family, okay? And it doesn't make it not a family because you have positions in the church, all right? But I oftentimes ask myself, where are these people? There are runaways in Clemson and in Seneca and in Pelzer and in Easley. There are people who are, there are prostitutes, there are... It's, it's crazy. You go, no, 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 Keith, that's not possible. Man, the, the sex trade industry thrives on college campuses. You're naive if you think it doesn't. Okay? Right now in Clemson, there is a sex slave problem. And you know what? When we get kind of perched up on our own thing, and we're not having conversations, and we're not even, we, we don't even want to sit next to the person that we might think is, is whatever, you know? Like, ah, oh, you know. We, we lose sight of this, okay? Let me, let me tell you how easy that is, okay? Let me tell you how easy it is to get to this place on a college campus, okay? Is I want you to picture it's your daughter, and she's working somewhere for minimum wage, and she's telling her boss, man, I'm having a hard time paying for college. I'm having a hard time. My parents aren't understanding me. I don't have money for my car. And the boss says, here, let me tell you, I'm going to front you something, okay? I'm going to give you, ooh, my, my, my caterpillar fell off. But I'm going to front you this, okay? I'm going to give you this, this money, okay? And so let's say he gives that, okay? The boss says, here, toss it here. This is just crazy. <laughs> I don't even know how this goes on. Just push that. There we go. Okay. So anyway, right, that's like horrible timing, okay? Because now we got to bring it on back to a really serious place, okay? Um, but here's the deal, and this is how it goes down, okay? Is the boss says, here's 10 grand. This will cover your school. Well, man, thank you so much. What do I owe you? Here's what I want you to do for me. I want you to go into your dorm room, and I want you to log on to this website, and I want you to do these things. And if you don't do them, I'll, I will, I will, you know, call your parents. I will do so. There will be consequences to you, so you must do these for the next year. All right. 
And then all of a sudden now I'm beholden to them. Because who are you going to go tell? Right. All right. And, and I say all that because, again, we, we have to reframe how we view our world and stop looking for just, hey, man, who's the clean person that will be easy for me to share the gospel with? Right. Who's the person that's like me? Who's the other person that they're just going to church and they're just looking for another church to sit in? Okay. This is why it's so important. This is why overseers are good. This is why those qualities are so important, okay? Because when, when, when we truly are a community that is like, hey, come on in. The runaway and the prostitute and the abused and the addicted and all these things. You want to know what? Is there needs to be an incredible amount of wisdom and experience to help guide them. Just like it would be in any family. In any single family, you wouldn't go, hey, kids, here's our new, you know, friend. So let's just set everybody loose. You're not going to get any kind of healing from that. There's not going to be, because remember, here's the deal with the church. It's this idea of, yeah, yeah, you're, you're broken, but we're also reminding people this is where you get well. Okay, that's, that's really, really important to see. And so, if nothing else out of reading this, we understand the goodness of not just why God's plan of overseers and deacons is so important, but that we understand there, that there's a world out there that we cannot imagine what is going on just by looking at one another. You just can't do it. You never know what happens behind closed doors. Okay, and if that's you, like if that's you where you're going, yeah, I am stuck in that place. Right? This is why the church has to be not superficial, but emotionally deeper. To be able to ask some questions like, hey, what's going on at home? How are things? Man, you, I keep hearing this from you. Can we talk about this? Okay, this is the boldness that's required, okay? Because here's the deal is, is, is to truly be the city on a hill. And, and that's the interesting thing is, is you gotta, you got, this is the picture of the city on a hill. Is you got, all of these people milling around in a valley who are scared and anxious, who are trying to who are trying to find security somewhere down in the valley in some way. Whether it's with money or success or whatever it is, okay? And this is why this idea of the city on the hill is so important, because people need to go, hold on, and I see that's the place you can go and it's safe and spiritual. That's where there's healing. But that's a high calling for us in our boldness and our spiritual and emotional depth, okay? But again, going back to this text right here, this is why this is good. All right? Because we are talking about the qualifications. And again, you don't have to be 70 or 75 or 80 years old to do this. Right, right, exactly. It should be. I mean, there should be something about this, especially with the guys of going, that's what I want to be in God's church. That's what I want to be. When all is said and done in my life, when everything, I don't want to be just, hey, he was kind of the observer. You know? You, you want to, this is meant to kind of, if you're a guy, raise your pulse a little bit, going, man, that would be an incredible life lived right there. To, to not to, to have these qualities and be used by God in his church. All right, that's my hope as we read this, okay? 
But here's the craziness, okay? To continue holding on to convenience, comfort, and self-centeredness over hospitality, ministry, and prayer is a decision to prevent God's work in our community. All right? Uh, we've been talking a lot about this. One of the things that Paul was trying to get across to Timothy is, man, you want to know what? That like the Ephesian church needs to like step up a little bit. There's, they're allowing all of this craziness going on, and we lose sight of the fact if the local church is God's plan. If that's true, if he's saying that local church, that family needs overseers and deacons, and if you want to know a little bit more about deacons, Acts chapter six. Okay, you remember the Hellenistic Jews? Okay, and the Hebraic Jews? They were fighting with one another because there was a distribution of food going on during the day. And one group felt like the other group was getting uh, preferential treatment. And the apostles said, okay, man, we can't like stop what we're doing to deal with this conflict. We need to appoint men to do this, to oversee this, okay? And the qualifications at that time were men full of the Holy Spirit. All right? So you think, really? To pass out bread? That was the qualification. You're going, well, why? Why is that necessary? Can't it just be like, hey, can't you just volunteer to pass out bread? He's like, no, you have to be spirit-filled because we're, you're passing out bread among people who are fighting with each other, <laughs> okay? Like, you need to be spirit-filled, not just a guy who's willing at this point, okay? And so, again, here's this idea I think can kind of like sink on all of us is it's really easy to go, no, 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 here's what's going to happen in my life as a disciple. I'll do whatever it takes as long as it's convenient, comfortable, and I can achieve what I want to achieve. And, and the truth of the matter is you're going, but, and that won't hurt anybody. Except it hurts everybody. Okay? It affects every single one of us. We affect the others. Okay? And so that idea, instead of going, no, 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 you know what? My doors are going to be open. I'm going to be warm and welcoming to the world. These people are going to come into my home. Right? If they're not in my home, I'm meeting them here. I'm inviting them different places where... Yeah, this idea of ministry, of just being a minister of reconciliation... That doesn't mean you just have to sit down and like go through different verses, but that you're meeting people on a level of going, hey, let me introduce you to Jesus so you two can become reconciled. All right, let me, let me, let me introduce you to this great king so you can be reconciled, okay? And so I think this is a challenge for us, okay? I think this is a challenge for the guys, Okay, is this idea of going, okay, man, am I going to aspire? Will everybody be an elder? I don't know, maybe. I, I don't know, but here's one of the things, okay? This is how, you know, if you want to know how to choose an elder, if you want to know how to choose a deacon or a minister or something like that, you want to know what? Is you recognize them, you don't choose them. Okay, it, people don't get together in a room and go, hmm, I wonder who should be an elder. No, no, no. You, you are recognized. Of course. That's our shepherd. That person shepherds. That person is like this. That person can do these things. That's the person right here. And so as a congregation, it's twofold, right? Is this idea of aspiring. And then it's this idea of recognizing as well. All right? And these are just, again... Good stuff. Hey, let, let's finish up right here, okay? 
uh, verse 14. I write these, these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, I've written so you will know how people ought to act in God's household. Again, God's family. Like this is how this is good and healthy. Okay, so Paul's saying, I'm writing these things to you so you understand and you know. And, and here's the interesting thing. We know we're talking about overseers and deacons and all that kind of stuff, and there's, there's something that could even be awakened inside of us of going, no, 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 I, I don't, I'm not okay with authority figures. Okay, uh, you may be thinking, man, if the church did this, I won't be okay with this. Right? And that's a whole other thing you've got to deal with, right? Because God, because as Paul writes this, he's saying these are men and women who are in authority of the church. I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, you will know how people are told, which is the church of the living God. That's, that's big right there. Okay? I have written so that you will know how people ought to act in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Okay? So that's the light. That's a city on a hill, man, just exuding light everywhere. He's saying this is what we're supposed to be about as a church. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great, that he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC. 